Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Eric. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. We're coming off of uh, an Easter holiday recently. And I know that before we started recording, you and I were talking about you know, just the, the the wonderful time we both had getting together with family and what a contrast to a couple of years ago, right? I mean, this is uh, a, a huge difference just to be able to talk about how we all got to get together and, and, and spend time with friends and family. Oh, that's for sure. And, you know, it, and it's just not Easter, it's pa- Passover and Ramadan. Yes. It's, uh, yes. it's, it's a great f- time for family this time of year and spring. Um, yeah. It makes a big difference when you can all be together. Yeah, absolutely. And, and spring also brings taxes. <laughs> yeah. That's so, yeah, the season. It is the season. Yeah. I like the first part of that season a lot better than that last part. Um, now you've actually uh, titled this podcast, the good news and bad news of realized capital gains. And uh, by the time this podcast is actually published, many of our listeners um, will have already filed their 2021 tax returns. Um, and I know that a bunch of others, because I've actually heard this on the radio quite a bit, uh, people suggesting, you know, I don't know if this is a strategy or what's going on, but a lot of others will be on extension. Uh, but either way, the 2021 taxes are still due by the tax filing date. And it sounds like many of the client conversations you've had this tax season really centered around the surprise they had that they had to pay more tax than they expected. And that's, that's not a good thing, I don't think. Well, it's never good to be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that's not the kind of surprise you want, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, it was for a variety of reasons, which we'll talk about, that um, many non-retirement accounts uh, experienced more than usual capital gains in, in, in the tax year 2021. Mm. And, and so the reactions I got from, from uh, our clients and, and people we talked to is, you know, yikes. How did this happen? What happened? You know mm-hmm. why? Um, you know, most people were 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 pleased that they had gains. Yeah, uh, pleased that their their portfolios did well, but you know, not pleased that they had to pay some additional taxes. And you know, and, and, and you know, taxes we're, we're kind of trained this way. The taxes are all bad, and and then therefore this must be bad too, and. And some clients, you know, so, well, what happened? Did someone do something wrong here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we had those reactions and I thought it was, uh, it was uh, prevalent enough that I thought it would be worthwhile uh, talking a little bit about today. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that, that you said that because um, at this time that we're, you know, or, or this weekend over this weekend, uh, Powerball, the Powerball lottery was, was way high 300 and something million or whatever. And, and my kids were over and, you know, my son's 25, you know, and he's, you know, my daughter's 22. And, you know, so they're talking about, Oh man, can you imagine, you know, and everybody does, right. Everybody imagines. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. And, you know, so they're talking about, it. I was like, okay, so take 40% off the top. And what, what for? I was like, well, taxes. Well, what do you mean taxes? I was like, wait, 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 wait. You think you just get all of that money? No, the government wants their share. And and so I said, but you have to be excited because you won a big prize, but now you do have to pay the taxes. 
Well, the difference is your clients didn't necessarily win a big prize because it's not like something that just all of a sudden overnight happened like a lottery ticket. I'm sure, you know, the, the, you know, the market's going up and all that stuff, it kind of creeps up on them. So there is that surprise moment, but also being surprised by the taxes, I'm sure it probably made for some really uncomfortable conversations. How do you respond to what, you know, what their concerns or what their reactions were? I think it's important to just frame what the issue really is. So, you know, each client's circumstance is, is different. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and as I said, there's just a whole variety of reasons it happened in, in, in the 2021 tax year. But a couple of comments, quick comments. I'd rather, I, I, I gladly take 60% of $350 million. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yep. don't think that's a problem. <laughs> no, but, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's another conversation. Uh, so I think what's really important is just remind our listeners w- what has happened to the stock market over these last 13 years. Mm-hmm. And really just give people a little reminder about the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009 when, when the markets over an 18-month period were down over 50%. Yeah. And when I say the markets, I'm really talking about the, the S&P 500, which is a, a basket of U.S. large company stocks. And, and so 2009, March of 2009, we had a turn in the market. And since March of 2009 through February of 2020, the S&P was up over 400%. Now, Jeez. we had a lot of ups and downs during that, during that period of time. Mm-hmm. But in total, the markets were up 401%. And then, as you probably remember, COVID came. And in about a month, the month of February and through, through March, the S&P declined by 34%. So there's a yikes. Yeah. <laughs> So up 400, down 34, that doesn't feel good. Then I think to a lot of people's surprise, the market rebounded really quickly Mm -hmm. and it really surged past its previous high. And and since um, from March 2020 through March of 2022, the market's up 100%. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's really good. And it really sounds like, I mean, just, just covering those last, I think you said 13 years, those last 13 years, it really sounds like the market's been on a tear. I mean, doing really well. And I mean, that's a, that's good news, right? Yeah, it's absolutely good news. Uh, but having said that, not all stocks, stocks have experienced, you know, the same gains, Mm -hmm. some stocks and sectors of the economy did much better than others. You know, just just an example, I think a lot of people know that technology stocks like Apple and Google and, and Facebook, now called Meta, and, and a, a small company uh, called Amazon have done extremely well over, mm-hmm. the, over recent years. And just as an, an example of a, of a sector of the economy that hasn't done well, well, energy stocks have, well, they've done very well recently because of the surge in, in oil prices. Energy stocks did really poorly during during COVID because they basically the economy in a lot of ways stopped. We stopped driving, mm, <laughs> we stopped mm-hmm. flying, True. we we stopped doing a lot of things. So, at any given time, not all stocks, not all sectors of the economy are going to be as positive as others, and, and I think uh, that's important to know. So, not all asset classes have done as well as stocks either. You know, your safe and conservative bonds. Have really really had muted returns these last bunch of years. Think about interest rates being so low, 
And now that interest rates are, are, are beginning to, 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 to shift upward, we've seen inflation or seeing inflation, the Fed's beginning to raise rates, um, interest rates on, on, on bonds are rising, and therefore the rate of return stock values have, have actually gone down recently. And so we just always have to be aware that uh, it's not always good across the board on everything that we might invest in. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's the point of you always talking about diversification, right? I mean, that that's, some stocks are going to do better than others. Some asset classes outperform other asset classes. And that's, I mean, that's what we want when we're talking diversification, right? Yeah. To me, I, I think about diversification as um, a, a free lunch, <laughs> in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't cost us anything to, to, to diversify and own lots and lots of different kinds of of stocks and bonds. And I also believe global diversification is really important. So this is my point of view. I think we want to build a globally diversified portfolio from assets all over the world, uh, US large and small company stocks, non-US stocks. We want to own commodities. We, we want to own US and non-US corporate and government bonds. We want to own all these things. And, and, and the reason being is, is that in, in theory, at least, um, in the long run, say say ten plus years, we'll have reasonable returns with less risk than a, a portfolio that's concentrated in just a few asset classes or even just a few stocks. All right, Peter, I've heard you say this before. Don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Is is that where this fits right now? Yeah, it is, Eric. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, taxes are a huge issue. Obviously, that's what you're talking about uh, today, as far as you know, the good news and bad news, um, but. I, 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 know, I understand that phrase, but can you explain to the audience just a little bit? It is, Eric, you, you, and you have been listening these last couple of years. I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah, I'm working um, on it. <laughs> I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. So, so we've got a point of view that, that a globally diversified portfolio is a prudent approach to investing. Mm -hmm. at, at, at the, but at the same time, we don't want to only be concerned about realized, realizing capital gains. We, we, want, we want to be aware. We want to be tax aware investors. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure we're investing properly for, to meet our goals. We don't want to invest just to avoid paying taxes. We don't want investments to drive our, or, or we don't want taxes to drive our investment decisions. So if our, if our focus, our strategy is uh, basically global diversification in a portfolio to, in order to manage risk and, and provide good and reasonable returns, um, there are times where taxes become secondary. Mm. And, I, and I think that's where we are now. It, that's what happened in 2021, tax year-wise. Uh, the stock market has done very well, and it's done well for a long period of time. And so, at some point in time, we might have to pay taxes. And, and let me give you an example of, 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 a, of, a, of a, a circumstance where I, it was warranted and, and it made sense to pay taxes. So this is the Smith family. Okay. And they're comfortable that their million-dollar portfolio is 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds. And I'm just using a million dollars as an example, and I'm just using the 50-50 traditional allocation of stocks and bonds as an example. Um, and in the Smith's circumstance, uh, stocks surge and their portfolio is up 
They, or I should say their stocks are up 20%. So you right. say, that's good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, their bonds, which they're investing in because they want to be safe and conservative and they want a little bit of income, their bonds increase in value, but only at 2%. So 50% is in stocks. Those go up 20%. 50% are in bonds. Those only go up 2%. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, the Smith's portfolio is now worth $1,110,000. That's okay. good. Yeah. That's good news. But their stocks are 54% of their total portfolio now, and bonds are only 46% of their portfolio. Okay. That okay? makes sense. It, it, it does. And, and so that means they're taking on more risk than they originally wanted. So in order to get back to that 50-50 allocation, their investment manager may need to sell approximately $44,000 worth of stocks and buy bonds with the proceeds. And Mm -hmm. assuming the $44,000 is all long-term capital gains, now that's just this example, um, the Smiths will need to pay taxes on those long-term capital gains because they've realized the gains. Got it. Yep. Okay. So there's a a tax cost. And Let's us make another assumption that the, the tax cost is uh, is a fifteen percent tax on the long term capital gains, and the, they owe the IRS approximately sixty six hundred dollars, and and that's due because of this rebalancing in order to get them back to the to the fifty fifty allocation. All right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that's I understand that the Smiths might be concerned. Especially, like you said earlier, they weren't expecting it. But again, it's both good news and bad news, right? They had good returns, but there's a cost if they want to maintain a 50-50 stock bond portfolio. And that's because, like you said, if they're maintaining that, they're selling and realizing the gain, right? Yeah. All right, I'm getting it. <laughs> You're getting it. <laughs> but, you know, so, so maintaining that balance between stocks and bonds is, is so important. Because as you know, stocks don't always go up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is really about risk management, which is a, a vital part of an investment strategy for most of our clients. Um, so I'm sure you've heard that the adage, you know, buy low and sell high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, rebalancing is, is on a regular basis is exactly doing that. You're selling your winners and you're buying some of your losers. In this case, in this example, uh, the stocks were the winners, bonds were the losers. And so we're selling some of those stocks, we're capturing the gains, and we're, we're, we're reinvesting in bonds. You say, well, why am I buying the loser? Well, <laughs> we know that stocks don't always go up. So mm-hmm. eventually, the losers are go- going to become the winners in another year. And I think that's so important to, yeah. to, to balance that risk and reward, maintain the 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 risk, uh, the 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 risk uh, uh, that you want in the first place. So I, I think it's worth paying some additional tax now, so that you can maintain the right balance for your portfolio. Mm-hmm. So let me give you just another example. Um, you know, and this is pretty recent, large cap growth stocks have been, been a, a winner for over a decade now. Uh, large cap growth stocks have done 
extraordinarily well, especially compared to large company value stocks. Um, they've done okay as well, but not quite as well as large cap growth stocks. And so toward the end of 2021, and especially in this first quarter of 2022, uh, large cap value stocks have, have significantly outperformed those large cap growth stocks. And the point here is that we, we don't want to give up on any single asset class because eventually that asset class that may have underperformed is going to have its day. Mm-hmm. And rebalancing keeps us honest and maintains the, the risk integrity of our, of our portfolios. So we may, <clears throat> excuse me, we may underperform a certain asset class in the short term, but in the long term, our chances of success become higher because we're managing that risk because we've got exposure to the whole basket of stocks and bonds that are available to us. Yeah. And you gave a great, you know, history of the last 13 years and and what's been going on. But I want to actually ask you about 2021, because this is this is why this is happening in this season that we're talking about as far as, you know, tax season. What happened in 2021? And why did so many clients see a lot of realized gains more than maybe they expected? Managers took advantage and rebalanced. And I I think that was prudent. Mm -hmm. So compared to 2020, in 2021, we didn't see a lot of realized losses. So remember in 2020, we had the, the big decline in, in February and March of 2020. Well, managers took advantage of that and sold some, some stocks that, that might have lost and had losses in value. And so those losses could be used to offset gains. Well, in 2021, we didn't have a lot of losses. <laughs> they were all gains, mm. which is both good news and bad news. And, and I think another reason it happened in 2021 is because many of our clients are systematically taking money out of their portfolios above and beyond the, the dividends and the interest. You know, they're, they're spending some of their capital, which is perfectly appropriate. And whenever you're selling funds and securities on stocks and bonds and funds that have gone up in value, you may have to pay realized gains and, and pay tax on that. Mm-hmm. So it's not not again. It's not necessarily all bad news. It it's it's a good thing that managers are doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, Peter, you and I have been doing this podcast for a couple of years now, and and I've been blessed by learning from you and learning a ton. And and what it's actually sparked in me is an interest to learn more. So I I, I do listen to the news, different different financial reports, and I listen to other folks that that are, that are out there talking about this stuff. And I keep hearing that mutual funds can be a tax problem. But I, I don't exactly understand why. What, what's up with that with mutual funds? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I certainly we heard that as well, and it's, it's actually true. Um, but there's nothing wrong with mutual funds. They're a great way to diversify and get exposure to, to certain asset classes that you might not be able to. However, you do lose a bit of tax control because a, a, a portfolio of stocks, for example, in, in a mutual fund needs to distribute the net capital gains every year. They're just forced to, it's the law. Okay. And, and the mutual fund may have to pay out those gains in a given year when the manager's rebalancing for the reasons we just spoke about, or when there are a lot of redemptions. So if the stock market, um, uh, if, if investors want to take money out, well, in order to get cash, the, the manager is going to have to sell securities. And even, even if they, the manager doesn't want to sell them, they still have to. Uh, want to they want to 
maintain a, a, the right balance of stocks in the portfolio. So, so there may be uh, distributions and capital gains that are distributed in any given tax year that you really don't control. You, you can't tell the manager not to do that. Got it. So, so, which leads me to the next point where, from a tax control standpoint, exchange traded funds or ETFs, mm-hmm. can, they can be more tax efficient than an actively managed mutual fund. They don't have all those requirements of distributing uh, those those net gains out. And, and so there is often um, far less taxable distributions capital gain-wise from an exchange-traded fund that's invested in, in an index, for example. All right. So with all this being said, what should an investor do if they get this unexpected call from their accountant or, or someone that says, you owe money to the IRS? Because nobody likes that. Nobody no. likes that call. But what should they do? Yeah. First thing is, you know, don't panic. Okay. <laughs> it, it really isn't a bad thing to, to pay to pay gains, to have gains and, and to pay some tax. Um, back to the, the lottery uh, example, I'd rather pay mm-hmm. 20, 30, 40% on a dollar than not have, not have that, that 60% or 70% or, or 80% left. Mm. So, um, you know, so it's a, it's a good example of why I think clients need to maintain a certain amount of liquidity. You know, because unexpected bills can come at any time, whether it's your 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 boiler, whether it's your new car, a, a trip you need to take, or taxes that you need to pay. So having adequate liquidity, I think, is important. Have excess cash in the checking account. Um, establish a line of credit at a, at a bank. Um, use your real estate or even your portfolio uh, of securities as collateral. And we're also talking to clients some of our older clients now that are older than age 62 that um, own a home and they m- may want to at least um, consider using a reverse mortgage for cash emergencies. Reverse mortgage allows you access to your, your, your equity and gives you um, some significant liquidity or can give you significant liquidity. So it's a consideration. I'm not saying it's good for everyone, but for some people that it's an appropriate thing to look at. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, you know, if cash needs to be raised, think about withdrawing it from the portfolio that's causing the tax problem. Again, don't panic. Uh, in the example with the Smiths, the tax due represents only about a half of 1% of the portfolio. So that isn't such a bad outcome. You know, they've, they've increased their portfolio by about 10%. And a little bit of that needs to be used to pay the tax. Um, so it's, it, it think about what's causing the problem and take the money from that if you don't have the cash available. And one more consideration I think you need to think about is uh, estimated tax payments going forward. So you may need to increase your estimated tax payments that you make throughout the year in order to avoid any any late late tax payment penalties in, in the new year, in the year that we're in, for example, 2022. So it's it's a conversation to have with your with your tax professional what you paid last year and what you should pay this year, and just get on that schedule and make sure it's done properly. Yeah, and and it doesn't sound like an investor really can plan with certainty. You know what realized gains might be from one year to another. So 
what should they do? I mean, I, I know you just gave some examples there, what they can do if it happens, but what about before it happens? Yeah, great question. Um, I think first, just understand that the capital that um, dividends and interest are are more steady. You can pretty much rely on on a on a similar range of 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 dividends and interest, which are which are also taxable. Um, so that, but that's more consistent. What's inconsistent are the realization of gains in a in a portfolio. And so it's an this is an important question. Uh, you know, I think. One of the things that we do in the last quarter of each year, we ask our clients if they want a year-to-date report showing any realized gains or losses that they've that they've experienced for the for, for end-of-year tax planning. We recommend they pass that information on to their accountant. Um, many many clients and their accountants ask us to send them a quarterly report showing kind of the progress during the year on on realized gains and losses. So it's it's really just keeping track to see if they're on target, to see if they need to make any adjustments to estimated tax payments. Realized gains are higher or lower than expected. They can, they can possibly make adjustments. Making additional gifts to charity, making contributions to tax-deferred accounts, um, all those things can help if, if, it's, if it seems that you may have um, significant capital gains in a, in a given year. So it's really thinking ahead it's not perfect because even though we're reporting along the way, you know, things can change dramatically during the year. So portfolios can be rebalanced at any point. <laughs> um, realized losses can happen throughout the years. So, so that, and they can be used to offset gains, but if they don't have, if those realized losses don't happen until the very end of the year, it's hard to plan at the beginning. Um, withdrawals and distributions can take place at any time. You know, people need, might need cash and they may take a distribution. That can affect realized gains. And then finally, um, mutual funds, which, which can pay out gains. Typically, they do that at the end of the year, but they, they could de- defer making those distributions until the very end. So it's, it's tough to plan when, when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I, we're getting low on time and I don't want to cut you off. I don't know if there's any other information that you want to pass to the audience, but um, if there is, please, by all means, do it. But otherwise, do you have any closing words for today's podcast? Yeah, I think it's really all about um, thinking about what can happen with assets that, that you know that they're in portfolios like stocks and bonds and ETFs and mutual funds. These things happen and mm-hmm. it's planning for them. It's having the liquidity. Uh, it's thinking about the potential taxes that, that, that might be there. Um, it's understanding this risk management and rebalancing strategy that, that should be part of every portfolio. It's a prudent thing to do. So it's just, to me, it's, all, it's, it's really around the planning aspect of it. Again, that's yeah. what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have these conversations with clients. Sometimes we can get out ahead of it. Sometimes we can't. If we can't because of just the nature of the year and how these gains happened, well, there's there are typically assets that can be used to pay those taxes. So it, it shouldn't panic someone. There's ways to provide the liquidity. There's ways to um, generate uh, the, the cash to, to pay the taxes. And that's what we need to, to be thoughtful about. Yeah, well... Here's the thing is that you are thoughtful about this stuff. And, and the, the problem is, is that there are other 
advisors. And I'm not trying to bash anybody, but there, there are other advisors that just don't do this this deep of planning with their clients. And I know there's a, there's people listening to this right now that they maybe have an advisor or um, you know or they maybe they haven't started working with one yet, but they they haven't been thinking about this because they just don't know it. Because if we don't know what questions to ask Peter, you know, we just don't ask them, right? So that's what you're here for. That's what you do. That's why you're providing this podcast. Um, I, I'd like you to give your contact information because I think it, again, it's vitally important that people understand that they need to have this conversation one way or another with you or with their current advisor, um, or to get that second opinion from you to have you take a look. So can you please give them your contact information so they can reach out to you? Yeah. Happy to, happy to review, you know, a portfolio or, or a tax situation for any listener. Um, it, it's, it's not hard, but, but we can do it. And, and the, the, probably the best way to reach us is through our website, raskinplanning.com. Our contact information is there. Uh, we've got a couple of white papers that I think would be are helpful for people. And, uh, and just give a call if, if you'd like. Uh, my, my direct line is 617-728-7433. Happy to chat. Fantastic, Peter. Thank you so much again for your time today. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to your listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.